So, Ashley, how long has the Texas State House been without a quorum now? Well, technically since the beginning of June, but it's been several weeks now that the House has been, a- been unable to do practically anything. Ashley Lopez is a reporter for KUT, the public radio station in Austin, Texas. She covers state politics. It's really messy. I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen state governance so chaotic here. And it's not like, you know, Texas has always been like such a flower, you know, just like not doing anything. Like Texas politics has always been kind of nuts. But, you know, I don't think I've ever seen it like this. For a couple months now, Democratic lawmakers in Texas have been locked in a battle with the state's Republicans. At issue are proposed restrictions on voting. In July, the battle intensified when a bunch of statehouse Democrats skipped town, denying their chamber a quorum. That made it impossible for the rest of the statehouse to even consider legislation. The Texas Democrats chose, as their exile, the home of good governance and political compromise, Washington, D.C. They were there to hide out. They were also there to lobby Congress to pass federal voting protections. Today, more than 50 Democratic members of the Texas House left Austin and left Texas. Not because we want to. It breaks our heart that we have to do it. But we do it because we are in a fight to save our democracy. Are the quorum breakers being called anything? Like, do they have a nickname? Like, like... The Quorum Busters or the Rogue Democrats or the Austin Diaspora, the Texas 57. I mean, <laughs> I'm, ri- I'm, I'm writing my movie treatment now, as you can tell. <laughs> and now that I think about it, I don't think I've heard anything catchy yet. I don't think I've heard anything. That's kind of like a missed opportunity, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I think everyone's just been like, the, like referring to them as like those Texas House Democrats that left. What the Texas House Democrats have left behind is a hamstrung state legislature and a ticked off Republican governor, Greg Abbott who has promised to wait this whole thing out. Uh, I can and I will continue to call special session after special session after special session all the way up until election next year. For the Democrats that left the state, does anyone know if they're ever coming back? Oh, this is a big question. I mean, they have to, right? Eventually. Why do they have to? Well, these people all have jobs outside of the Texas legislature. This is only like a part-time gig. Like, Lawmakers are not full-time lawmakers in Texas, you know. And then they all have family, too, here in Texas. And you can't indefinitely, presumably, live in another state, you know, forever. And I think that's what the Republicans are sort of counting on. Usually on this show, we like to talk about things that are happening. Today, we're taking you where the action isn't, the Texas state legislature. And Ashley Lopez will explain what a partisan stalemate has wrought. I'm Mary Wilson, filling in for Mary Harris. This is What Next. Keep listening. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What is happening in Austin these days? Like, what is the Capitol building like right now? Well, it's very wet right now. There was <laughs> actually a, a storm that came through, and so there was flooding in the Capitol, which I think is just like ugh, on top of everything. Like, it's just so chaotic here um, that, of course, there was a flood. Like, what's next, Locus? Mm. The Senate, however, has been hard at work. They have passed most of their agenda, I think pretty much all of it at this point. Um, they just can't send it anywhere. So they've been holding, you know, committee hearings, passing bills, voting them out on the floor. There was even a filibuster on that big voting bill that Democrats, you know, left to avoid getting passed. And so, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of strange. It's like one part of the Capitol is completely at a standstill, but at least the Senate has gotten some stuff done and it's, it's been pretty interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the voting bill that is, of course, at the center of this, you know, broken quorum and stalemate in Austin. This is all about stopping a plan that would narrow voting access in Texas. And, you know, you've written a lot about this. Is it fair to say this proposal is a lot like the proposals popping up <laughs> in GOP-led states across the country where Republicans want to restrict voting access? Is that fair? It is and it isn't. I think it's coming from the same sort of like it's reacting to the same thing, like all these bills are reacting to the 2020 election and Republican base voters who believe the election was stolen. But I think people need to remember that Texas is a place that already outlawed a lot of the things that other states are outlawing. This is already one of the most restrictive places to cast a ballot, you know, like where states are limiting vote by mail and drop boxes. We already had one of the most limited vote by mail programs in the country. Vote by mail drop boxes were always illegal here. So Texas's starting point for adding voting restrictions is very different than the rest of the country. You know, the bill is always going to be different coming out of a state like Texas. So voting restrictions just start in a different place here. And when and when you know, to be clear, when you say it's different, it sounds like it's more, it sounds like it's rather draconian, right? You know, it, it depends who you ask, right? So Democrats are upset about this because if you give people an opportunity to vote in one way and then remove it the next one, that is, you know, making it harder to vote from one election to the next. But overall, would this affect like long-term traditions of voting statewide? No, it wouldn't. But the truth is, there's just like not a lot of places to cut. It's already it's like it's hard to <laughs> like to appeal to people to, to like about how hard it is actually to vote here. Like we don't have online voter registration, even though most of the country does. Like there's really just like not a lot of places to make changes. So to Democrats, it feels draconian because it's like you're making it harder to vote in the few ways that people actually can vote here. I mean, I think the bigger thing to watch for that I'm interested in is just how much is being criminalized in the voting process. So, you know, the sort of direct access stuff is not as big compared to what states like Georgia and Florida are doing. But definitely, I think the criminalization of like assisting voters and stuff like that, I think that is where the most eyebrows will be raised in the long run. Would the bill criminalize sending applications to people to vote by mail? Yeah, it would outlaw the ability of 
county election officials to send people applications for vote by mail, not a vote by mail ballot, just the application for one. So people have to ask for that application if they're going to get it. Yes, they have to apply to apply, basically. (laughs) Yeah. And so during the pandemic, you know, especially in bigger cities, you know, county election officials were really nervous about um, people showing up in person at a time where, you know, remember, we didn't have the vaccine then. It was a really scary time. And county election officials wanted to keep the numbers of in-person voting down, you know, and especially if you're disabled or older, that was already also the most vulnerable population for the pandemic, but also happened to be one of the few community like populations that could vote by mail. So they preemptively sent them applications because, you know, in most counties, that form of voting is underutilized. And so they thought this would like have the added benefit of keeping those populations safe, but also keeping in-person numbers low. And so lawmakers came back and and are now trying to basically make that illegal. I want to zoom out again and talk about quorum breaking in the Texas legislature. Mm -hmm. The big quorum break I read about was in 2003, and it's when Texas Democrats went to Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and then New Mexico. They were trying to stop an unfavorable redistricting plan. And eventually they had to come back, and the new district lines passed anyway. But this time, what Democrats in Texas say is different is that Congress can help. And that's why a bunch of them are in D.C. How how is that going? How's the lobbying in in, of, of senators and Congress going? Well, as of today, Congress has not passed, <laughs> has not passed a voting bill. You know, um, I think like they've taken a lot of meetings. I think the more important one that they took was with Joe Manchin, because anyone who's been paying attention to this knows that, you know, right now, Democrats just don't have the numbers in the Senate to um, break a, a filibuster. And it seems like Democrats haven't convinced him to do that yet. And in fact, right after they, they took a meeting with him a couple of weeks ago, he told the press that he had not changed his mind about the filibuster. So anything concrete has not happened yet. On August 6th, some of the Texas Democrats who fled to Washington spoke to reporters about the progress they had made. This is State Representative Trey Martinez Fisher. We are encouraged by Leader Schumer expressing his desire to have a vote before the August recess, which might get extended. Uh, If you need to have a record about voting discrimination uh, in the history of this country, come to Texas. We can fill you in. We're here because of voter suppression. And so whether we're in this voter suppression session or some future voter suppression session, our minds have not changed. Our resolve will continue. This, maybe, is why quorum breaks don't tend to work in Texas. Because if you're one of the quorum breakers, your sense of resolve is the only leverage you have. It's like power hasn't shifted. Republicans still have the ability to pass legislation. It's just more like a stalling tactic. So that's kind of what always happens is like they stall it as like Democrats will break quorum or filibuster and they'll stall it as much as they can. But like once everything is said and done, like Republicans still have the the numbers. They still have the power to pass legislation. So I don't think there's you know, a history of this doing more than just stalling um, legislation they don't like. More with Ashley Lopez after the break.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. While the Texas Democrats have been on the run, Republicans in the state have tried to escalate this uh, standoff. Can you tell us some of the ways Republicans have tried to put the screws to Democratic lawmakers? Well, a couple ways. So the House somewhat quickly after Democrats last left called a, a quorum and sent out arrest warrants, I think now twice for Democrats. How were they able to call a quorum to send out arrest warrants, but not able to call a quorum to do legislative work. Yeah. So they call a quorum to take a vote to see if they have a quorum, basically. And okay. once they fell short, they were like, OK, now we can send out arrest warrants to bring to have state police bring these people back if they're oh, in the state. Okay. And the reason why Democrats are in Washington is because like state police obviously has no jurisdiction in Washington, so they can't be called back. But presumably if like one of them, any of those Democrats in Washington now were to set foot in Texas, they could be arrested and brought back to the Capitol. And, you know, even though it's like they're not going to be put in jail, what likely is to happen is state police will grab them and just, you know, put them in the Capitol to do their job and vote. It's still kind of like, you know, it's not exactly friendly behavior, you know, calling for someone's arrest and <laughs> detainment. The irony of these arrest warrants is that the person signing them is someone many Democratic lawmakers supported at one point. Dade Phelan, the Speaker of the Texas House of Representatives, Many observers, including Ashley, thought the bipartisan backing for Phelan was a sign that this legislative session would be amiable. Instead, what she's seen is an erosion of the personal relationships that used to smooth over partisan divides. Dave Phelan wouldn't be the speaker without a bunch of Democrats getting together and picking him. And, you know, they started the session with, like, this, this leader who both parties had agreed upon for the most part. And I remember, you know, one of the first speeches I heard was a lawmaker here in Austin basically thanking everyone in the House, Republicans and Democrats. Her name is Donna Howard. She thanked everyone for 
like being there for her because her husband had gotten very sick and had a very slow recovery and eventually died. And so she was widowed over the summer and she had like thanked everyone. And I don't know, it was just like the, the session started with a lot more bipartisanship and just like friendship among these people, especially compared to where we are now. It's almost like it was a different time. It's hard to think it was just a couple, it was just several months ago. It was the same year. Um, so yeah, and now it's like, there's these arrest warrants, you know, Democrats flood the state because they feel like they can't even talk to these people. They can't even talk to Republicans. It's just, yeah, it's it's like you're watching like the, like, like a sort of like a marriage fall apart in front of your face. Texans could use a working legislature right now. They're in the middle of a huge COVID surge. Hospitalizations are up and state officials have ordered mortuary trucks to store the bodies of the dead. On Tuesday, Governor Greg Abbott himself tested positive for COVID-19. There's also the matter of the state's isolated electrical grid. It failed last February during winter storms, leaving more than 4 million households without power for days. Hundreds of people are estimated to have died as a result. What happened earlier this year in the winter storm, I think, upset both Republicans and Democrats. This was a sign that things are not working well. There needs to be reform of some kind. And that is a place where every Texan would like to see their lawmakers put attention. I can't think of a single person I've talked to from either party say like, oh, I'm okay with the electrical grid situation. Everyone here is living in constant fear that the grid will collapse. Um, you know, even this summer, we had another little scare where, you know, it looked like the grid might not be, able, like there might have to be rolling blackouts again or, you know, just blackouts across the state again. And so that is a place where I think there could be common ground because I know Republicans and Democrats alike are concerned about it. Um, and, you know, just to, just the last session, lawmakers found a lot of common ground. They worked on a lot of bipartisan issues, education, you know, money for teachers, stuff like that. Like when, when there is the the desire, the political will to work in a bipartisan way, the Texas legislature has found a way. And it's just right now, it, it, I don't, there doesn't seem to be the political will to do that. Well, and for whatever reason, the parties view another failure to the power grid to be less perilous to their political future than, you know, what happens to, to voting access. Right. You know... I, I also feel like Republicans, and I want to be fair to Republicans, I feel like they're in a little bit of a bind, too. Hmm. This isn't an issue that really Republicans in Texas created. This was their party leader, Donald Trump, who started the big lie. But, you know, now their base believes it. And I'm not saying that Republicans in the legislature don't also believe the big lie. But even if they didn't, as a Republican lawmaker, if you know your base and your constituents believe that an election was stolen and that voter fraud is real, how could you not address it? Now, to the extent that they're, you know, issuing arrest warrants, that's a whole other conversation. But I don't think it is surprising that Texas is one of the states that introduced, you know, voting legislation like this. You know, this is a state where Republican voters have a lot of sway. Elections are won or lost in primaries, pretty much. And if they weren't addressing this very big concern from their base, they would have a political cost for that. And I think that calculation they're making is true. 
The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, has said he will just keep calling special sessions to try to get Democrats who have fled the state um, to come back and vote on this voting bill, and and maybe more to the point, to make it hard for them to stay outside the state and to stay away from their homes and to stay away from their families. Is there any backstop? Is there anything that could stop the constant, like, the the Groundhog Day of another special session and another special session? Well, according to the governor, the only thing that'll stop it is uh, a voting bill gets passed and sent to his desk. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. I don't think anyone right now is looking at what the middle ground looks like. Ashley, I don't know if you can answer this question, but this just leaves me with this, like, how does this possibly end? And one thing it makes me wonder is, back in 2003, when Democrats had their last big quorum break um, in Texas, did they get hauled back into the state by by state police and compelled to vote on bills? Is that how that ended? Is that how you expect this one to end? You know, it's it's hard to sort of play like magic ball and figure out like how this is all going to end. I can tell you, like just looking at the chessboard, what's probably going to happen is someone's going to have to give in. And I don't think it's going to be Republicans. They have all the power. They have the ability to just wait out Democrats. So it's likely going to be like 2003. It's going to likely be that at some point, Democrats are going to have to come back to the state, go back to the Capitol and, you know, vote against bills that they're really concerned about. That's what's likely to happen. Ashley Lopez, thank you so much. Thank you. Ashley Lopez is a reporter for KUT, the public radio station in Austin, Texas. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Davis Land, Carmel Del Shad, and Danielle Hewitt. Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery make sure we always have a quorum. I'm Mary Wilson, filling in for Mary Harris. She'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. <laughs>